Welcome to Comparison is the Thief of Joy, a live call-in podcast that occurs every other Sunday at 6 p.m. where we talk about life and my journey through it. And while I do the podcast, I like to paint. So each podcast will have a corresponding artwork that'll go to it. Feel free to call in by downloading the Podbean app, grabbing your cell phone, and a set of headphones. It's open topic, never feel any pressure. Comparison as a Thief of Joy is available on all major streaming platforms, and my artwork can be found on my Instagram, Comparison is the Thief, or donnysun82.myportfolio.com for purchase. Enjoy. Ray, are you ready? with empathy if they're in close proximity with somebody else who's feeling a strong emotion they can feel it right if they're in a, if they walk into a room and there's two people that may have just gotten the argument even if there's no word said they can feel that right if there's somebody giving a speech, if you've ever given a speech, you can gauge the general feel of the room, even if nobody says anything. If you're a performer, a musician, packed out stadium, even without being able to see anybody's face, you could feel the energy in the room. Have you ever walked into a neighborhood that you've never been in? Even a nice one. Really, really nice one. Um, And felt like you didn't belong there. Felt like something wasn't right. Felt like something was off. And you needed to get out of there. Right? So then that makes me question a couple of things. With certain individuals, maybe your Martins, maybe your Gandhis, maybe Jesus, how far does that power of the person with that great deal of empathy stretch? You dig what I'm saying? How far does it go? Because it can't just be eyesight, because then that would take the performer out of it. So it can stretch and go farther than what we believe. And so I'm just curious to hear, see Wallace, what's going on. I'm curious to hear what other things people think about it. And so like I was saying to recap for some of the people, how far does empathy stretch? And how far into the world can you tap into it? And how much does it affect you? Because just like when you walk into that room with two people who've argued, you feel it. And anybody, anybody that's being truthful, it makes you uncomfortable. It makes you uncomfortable because you feel it because it's palatable. So if your level of empathy is greater than the normal person's, say you could feel it on a citywide level, what would that make you feel like? If you could feel it on a national level, what would that make you feel like? If you were somebody in viewing with great levels of empathy, On a worldwide level, what would that do to you? Would it fill you full of anxiety? Would it make you depressed? I don't know if it would make you feel with hope. What would that do to you? I don't really know. 
I don't know if it'd be a positive thing. And sometimes if I'm going to be honest with myself, I wonder if I struggle with that. Because I was sitting around the other day thinking thoughts and shit. And you know what? Because I'll keep it a buck with you, with you guys. Something I've always struggled with in, uh, well, let me keep going. When I was reading that book about human nature, they were talking about uh, gender identity, right? Animus and anima. I can't remember which one is for the male and which one is for the female. Hey, Maya. Animus and the anima. And I can be honest with you, my masculinity, quote unquote, is always something that I've struggled with because I always like, man, why can't I just be like other guys? Why am I so sensitive? Why do I pick up on uh, thoughts and the emotions and things of other people? I wish I could be like other people. But then after reading that book the other day, I realized I wasn't made to be like other people because if I was like other people and that level of empathy was taken away from me, I wouldn't be able to speak to you guys the way that I'm speaking right now. I wouldn't be able to heal and touch the people that I heal and touch and open up in the same context or fashion that I am because what, what humanity does, and you guys can call in and hop on, I'm open to discussion. What humanity does is it wants to take you in two extremes, especially in the black community. Actually, let me take that back. In the black community, we like to be ultra masculine, both male and female. And we rob ourselves of so much. And the incongruency comes about when you decide that you have to be somebody else. Because I can tell you all, if you can hear me out there, trying to be somebody else is a shit ton of work. It's a lot of work. It's exhausting. It's unfulfilling. It doesn't lead you anywhere. Because how could you, like, use sports, for example. What if Kobe Bryant tried to use Shaq's playbook? All right, I'm going to just drive to the basket, back to the basket, and dunk on people. It could work with very limited effectiveness. It could work. but he wouldn't be organically him. Why is it that when we see somebody who's organically and authentically themselves, we gravitate towards that person? I've never, me personally, seen somebody being who they are and be like, oh, they need to be more like. Emotions are a tough thing. I've been, I've been listening to this guy. It's like a, he's, just, he's a, a therapist who is a therapist who um, he talks to a lot of hip hop artists. I've really been really keyed onto him lately. And one of the things that he says that I've been really trying to deal with and process is when you have an, when you have an emotion sitting in it, because what I, what I've come to realize, and I know I've always done it, is that we have a tendency to try to run away from our emotions and even deny them and shove them down and try to escape them. 
And it's much more difficult to sit in the emotion and just let it run and just let it run its course. Don't deny it. If, if you're angry, be angry, but not even just be angry. Ask yourself and be truthful with yourself. What am I? Why am I angry? I listened to this book the other day called the four agreements And one of the agreements is don't take things personally. Like Maya, I've never met you. But if I said, you know what, Maya, you're stupid and your voice sounds funny. Well, unless you agree to that, it won't matter. But if you agree to what I said, then it gains power. But only with your agreement. But I never understood that. I thought when somebody said something about me, they saw something I didn't see and it was just true. Yeah, but but this happens because we're humans. Mm-hmm. We feel insecure. Sometimes we feel like, yeah, maybe they see something that I don't see. Right. And and what if it happens, like it, it is repeated, like two people said that, not just one, mm-hmm. then it's going to be really hard. But going back to this point that you said um, at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, taking the time, you know, like, whatever like feeling you're going through mm-hmm. if it's sadness if it's anger if you just like take the time to to just you know to deal with this emotion this kind of emotion because um i remember a long time ago i think that was like eight years ago i went through something and it really really hurts me that i was supposed to cry at least i didn't mm-hmm. and i was like trying to be strong I was trying to be like, yeah, like everybody would see me uh, strong so they would, would not worry about me, especially mm-hmm. family. So I was, tr- I was trying to show everybody that you guys know I'm fine. Uh, don't worry. Uh, right. And I literally, I did not shed a tear, which was definitely unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And it started to, to come back now like eight years later. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of every single thing that happened back then, and I, I'm, I'm not just crying about it. I'm, I'm really like breaking. You know, right. it was really hard. And when I talked to someone, because I felt like, okay, I need help, and um, mm-hmm. and and I think that was the first right thing I did, which is seeking help. Right. I went to um, a psychiatrist, somebody to talk okay. to. Someone who's not from, like, friends or family, someone who I might feel free to talk to. Right. Um, and I told him everything. And I didn't right. really know. It was it was this situation that happened eight years ago. That was the reason behind everything I'm going through right now. Right. He said, you need to cry. If you need to cry, cry. Do yeah. it. Um, take all the time you need uh, so that you you'll be you know like you'll get better um, easier now I need to fix fix all the time that passed and I didn't do it Mm -hmm. but you know like I'm feeling better now at least I realized the problem you know what and I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because when I was looking at that book um about the human nature book, there was a part of it that struck me in a way and it really, really hurt. So part of the book was, it was talking about dating practices. And in one of the pieces of the book, it talked about 
The Fallen Woman. And it's about a guy, about a man who dates women that are nothing like him, completely opposite of him, and it's pretty much doomed for failure. It also talks about women who do, it's a lot of different uh, archetypes. But this one stuck out to me because the root of it was a mother, the mother and the, the, mm-hmm. the dealings that they had with their mother. And I had to come to realize in reading that book that for the longest time, I was dating the same type of women in different bodies. But it was because I didn't address what was going on with me. I kept trying to escape it. I did everything but face it. And that's the paradox of so many things. Like, the only way to overcome your greatest fear is what? To face it. We think it's to, we think it's to run the opposite direction. But that's so far from the truth, it doesn't work. And emotions are the same way. We're taught that if you have an emotion which we perceive as a weakness, you just need to shove it down and just bury it, even though it's going to manifest again. Uh, and it could even manifest in a physical way. You said it right there, man. Like, mm-hmm. if it's existed before, it's going to come back one way or another again. If you were pissed off before, especially mm-hmm. if it was something that specifically pissed you off, mm-hmm. um, there is a good chance that it's going to piss you off again mm-hmm. unless you do something about it, mm-hmm. like face it or address that emotion so that you don't feel the same way. You know what I mean? Right. Like, a lot of, you know... I, I mean, we. I mean, I, I talk to people about this all the time. I'm at the point to where, um, if if there's something that I see that's supposed to trigger me or tick me off, I I don't ignore it or just you know scoff at it. I you know I look at it and I realize that it's something that it, that might anger me, mm-hmm. and I sometimes I may smirk, sometimes I may shrug, and then you know move on to the next thing. You know what I'm saying? I do, I do recognize that this thing that's posted or whoever says what they say was, is supposed to anger me, but mm-hmm. I'm so, you know, I'm so used to seeing these things or, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with this, these situations that now I, you know, I know that the, the, the default setting is get mad and get outraged and you know, go crazy, but now so, I, mm-hmm. huh? No, no, go ahead, okay. man, go ahead. Now, nowadays, I just don't. It, it just doesn't go. It just doesn't go there anymore because I, you know, I nowadays I just have. I, I try to have more control over how I respond to things. So you know what's interesting about that? Anger is actually a secondary emotion. When we get angry, it's okay to be angry, but it's the first question you need to ask yourself is, why am I truly angry? And a lot of times I find that the root of me being angry is that I'm actually hurt. The person hurt me because it's usually somebody close to me or I thought maybe that our relationship was better than that. And so am I really angry or am I really hurt? by that interaction. Just like when somebody's driving in traffic, how often is the root of you being angry that somebody cuts you off really, really, truly about them cutting you off? 
like the root of it. Because if you ever notice that when you're in a really, really good mood, say you just got paid, your hair is done, you're feeling good and somebody cuts you off. How often do you care? How often do you actually fly into road rage? Now, when you're late for work, you're going to a shitty job that you don't like. All of a sudden, all those stoplights, all those people cutting you off or even that guy giving you a finger, it, it, it turns into something else. Because I was reading, I don't know what book I was reading, but they were talking about the reason that your psychologist or psychiatrist doesn't give you the answer. And this was a light bulb moment to me, Maya, because I've seen uh, a psychologist as well. And it really, and what I read in the book, it said that if you tell somebody the answer to their problem without them figuring it out, imagine this. If somebody's wearing green tinted glasses and you show them a red rose and tell them it's red, until they take off those green tinted shades, nothing of what you're saying is going to work. Yeah, I like this one, right? The person has to see it themselves to make the progress to the next step. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and I believe it's like, it's most of the time, it's not the, the, the thing that's happening right now. It's, it's something that happened earlier mm-hmm. and you didn't handle the right way or maybe not just one thing. Sometimes it's a pile of things. Things are just like piling up, piling up and you are not reacting to them. Mm-hmm. And then after some time, just happens and it it, sometimes it's a very silly thing you know like I remember Mm -hmm. I remember one time I opened the fridge and I was like uh, I was saving saving myself for chocolate I didn't find it somebody ate it I think Mm -hmm. my brother I don't know I started crying (laughs) (laughs) that was stupid but I know at that time I was so emotional Mm -hmm. to everything almost everything and it's because yeah there was something deep down that I didn't really discuss I didn't react to and that's it oh yeah like a lot of times hey Tony what's going on man hello hey hello, hello. so hey what's going on so you like me, me. Oh, sorry yes, sir I can hear you what's up Tony like, like, like hey. for me a lot of times I'll get I won't say that I'll have anger issues I don't think that I do but sometimes I'll have outbursts if I think somebody's wronged me and mm-hmm. the root of that is because I got picked on in childhood. And then you get to a point in your life where you're like, well, that's never going to happen again. A lot of times it has nothing to do with what that person actually said. It's like almost a PTSD of sorts to where you get all these little micro flashbacks and you just kind of... So every decision you make is predicated by every other decision that happened up to that point. And that's what the definition of even PTSD is. I don't know why you can't hear either, man. That's weird. That's what the definition of PTSD is. So when somebody has PTSD and trauma isn't just for soldiers, trauma can be anything for anybody. Um, Truth. You, you literally will get flashbacks of that event and it affects you greatly in that moment. And if you take away a soldier at war, if you had relationships can be traumatic and that can I mean how many people do we know that have past relationships that have damaged them so much in the future that they're almost undated oh yeah what's that Tony no go ahead jump in absolutely yeah no uh, I got fat kid PTSD okay straight up what's that 
like, uh, uh, well, it's like uh, grew up as a chunky kid, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, uh, you know, uh, I was in Boy Scouts. I was in football, all the stuff that, you know, uh, you would do things in. And, you know, the way you get treated as a chunkier kid, you know what I mean? You, you develop mm-hmm. certain reactions that people who don't have to deal with that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, don't necessarily react to. Like, uh, I, I don't like to hug people. You know really? what I mean? And and people people like are you know want to all give me want to embrace you. I'm like, dude, please don't touch me. It's because when uh you know when I was a kid, you know people come up, they go to give you a hug. Instead, the big thing was when you when you're a big kid, they like to squeeze you on the on the on the mammary glands. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And make right. fun of your man. Oh, you know I mean? so like, yeah. Yeah. So so like anytime anybody even reaches for my chest, I immediately go into like defensive mode. You want to hear something? You want to hear something funny? So I have a thing about my neck because when I was um, a kid, somebody choked me. Hmm. So now at almost 40 years old, like if somebody touches my neck, I and it, it, it wasn't that somebody choked me. In reality, it was a sense of powerlessness I had in that moment. Right. The fact that I didn't do anything about it, the, that I didn't swat his hand away or choke him back, it yeah. sticks with you. And it just kind of stays in there. And it's a, I almost, a re, it's an overreaction, honestly. It is. Now. It is. I, I, have a, I have a lot of very tense behavioral things that I do that like, you know, because I, I, I seem like a, 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 most people that move me, you know, they feel like I'm kind of laid back and I'm, I'm, I'm real chill. But I have very mm-hmm. extreme reactions to certain things. Like, and it's almost like it, it's such a counterpoint to my normal disposition that, you know, it kind of comes off as you know, a little crazy. You know what I mean? Right. I can't help it, you know? Like, I can't, right. like, uh, uh, what's, uh, like, people talking uh, to me disrespectfully. And not mm-hmm. that anybody likes being talked to disrespectfully. You right. know what I mean? But I've got right. a real thing, and it's from from years of being treated like a like a buffoon, mm-hmm. you know, just because of your appearance. That I have this need to like assert my intellectual capability when somebody mm-hmm. treats me like an like an idiot, you know. And it's like, I, and I'm very aggressive about it because I'm a New Yorker and I got a big mouth, you know. So mm-hmm. it's like you 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 know absolutely, and that's gotten me in a lot of trouble. You know, because right. you do things, people don't deserve those reactions because they've done, they've, they, you know, it, 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 when you learn to take a step back and look at the actual situation, say, okay, in the context of things, that was a giant overreaction. People don't know that, you know, you're emotionally scarred from this and that, whatever. All they saw mm-hmm. was you rip somebody's head off because they offered you a cookie or whatever, the, you know, the, the the case may be, you know. So that's uh, that's one of those things that, the, you know, you've, you've got to learn. Have you guys ever heard, to learn how to deal with it. heard of this book called The Four Agreements? I touched on it a little bit, but I watched a YouTube video and I would encourage you to watch it or read the book. And I was reading it over the last week and I had a lot of aha moments. So the four agreements are, number one, to be impeccable with your word. Don't gossip. Don't make empty promises. And just really controlling your tongue. Number two is don't take things personally. Just like I was telling you before Actually, I didn't tell you this one before, Ma, but don't take things personally because if you take the way that he described it, we all have different worldviews about how we see the world. And if you take things personally, personally, you're saying that you know exactly what's happening in that person's world 
For example, say I'm walking by you and I say hello and you don't say hello back. If I took that personally without learning everything about what was going on, you could be deaf in the ear, you could have headphones in, you could not be paying attention, but I could turn that into something completely different. Uh, Number three, which goes into number two, is to don't make assumptions. Ask the question if something bothers you to get further clarification. And the fourth one, which is really interesting, is to do always do your best in any given subject. And what they talked about in always doing your best, they talked about Forrest Gump. And they're like, Forrest Gump went through so many different trials and tribulations in his life, but the universe blessed him so much because all he did was put forth his best, best effort without expecting anything back in return. And that not taking things personally thing was a, and not making assumptions is a big one for me because how many of us have said such and such happened? And I'll be like, well, did you talk to the person? No, but I know they know what I'm talking about and I'm mad that they treated me this way. Well, did you tell them that you were upset? No, but they know I am upset. That's so unfair. That's such an unfair thing to do to somebody else because we've had people that all of a sudden have treated us differently only for you to find out later they thought that you meant something that you had that you absolutely didn't mean to do. But that's a difficult thing to go up to somebody because in a way you're kind of putting yourself out there and making yourself vulnerable to mend the problem. And mostly in Western culture, we're not about forgiveness. (laughs) We're about strife and win-lose situations, not really win-win. That's not how we're taught. We're not taught to say, hey, Tagba, that thing that you said to me the other day, it actually bothered me and it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, man. And I need you to clarify that. No, it's supposed to be like, hey, man, let's box. F you, so, whatever. What's that? We live in a society to where everything is about getting the upper hand no matter what. Yeah. No matter how foolish we end up looking, even if we get the upper hand, because I've been there. I'm pretty sure everyone in here has been there one way or another. Mm-hmm. It's all about... F- it's not even about gaining the upper hand all the time. Sometimes it's even about feeling as if you got the upper hand mm-hmm. over, you know, over wh- whoever it is or what group of people or whatever mm-hmm. the hell. And yeah. and I'm just trying. I'm doing my best with every single thing that I am to just back away from that way of thinking because if someone comes at me on something and if they're not trying to talk it over or whatever i just walk away it's it's right. easier for me yeah you know right. what i mean it's easier i don't have to expend any amount of energy trying to go back and forth trying to understand where they're coming from if, if they're if they're being illogical or um, stubborn or what, whatever words you want to throw out there. I just walk away and if, 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 if they want to talk about it later, cool. If not, I understand as well. Well, you know, it's, it's, go ahead, Tom. Well, that's one of the benefits of getting older is I can now pull the old Puerto Rican guy move when I want to exit a situation and I love it because it works like a charm. It's like you look at the person, you just kind of smile a little bit and go, thank you very much. Nice to meet you. And you just walk the fuck off. Yeah. And, you just, and the thing is, is that like, 
I've seen my dad do that. I've seen uncles do that. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, I've always wondered, that's such a strange thing to do. But people won't argue with it. It's just like, okay, that guy's done talking. I can come. You know? Well, and older dudes, you know, when the old dude's done talking, most people give me, you know, ah, fuck it. You know, because at this point, you know, what, like, uh, after a certain age, people stop giving a shit about what you have to say, I've noticed. You know what I mean? Right. That's like the big, the big thing with, uh, uh, I think that's my personal, uh, uh, a trial at this point is the whole aging thing is starting to get to me a little bit, you know. But uh, well, at some point, you have to ask yourself when you're about to gauge, engage with somebody on, with something, why am I getting into this engagement, right? And a lot of times, I would say almost 98% of the times, you're getting into this engagement because of your ego. Your ego won't allow you to disengage. You're not, at a certain point in the conversation, you're not doing, you're not even doing it to prove a point. You're not doing it to let them person know that you're wrong. You're doing it, you're doing it to talk this person into submission. You actually don't care if they ever agree with your point because nine times out of 10, that person has that same level of ego. And even if they start to see that you're right, they won't admit it to you. They would rather walk in willful ignorance for the rest of their life. Some people would rather walk into a burning ditch full with uh, electric platypuses than to ever admit that you were right about something. So then the question right. is, if you understand that about people, why are you engaging? Could you imagine if I got into an argument with Jay-Z about how to sell an album? <laughs> You see how ridiculous and what what would be more ridiculous, me engaging with him or him engaging back? Well, yeah, he I would mean, look crazy. Yeah, because I mean that's like the whole when uh, when Machine Gun Kelly was talking shit to Eminem. Mm-hmm. Originally, he didn't say anything, and that was why. It was like, what the fuck am I gonna say to this hard on? What is he? What is what is what is he? What is he gonna say that merits my response? You know? Yeah. Not, but, you know, I, I, I mean, he did kind of say something that respected the response, but I mean, he kind of did, but yeah, I mean, eventually he made a song, didn't he? Or he did, he did, yeah, they, they made yeah. songs back and forth, but I yeah. generally, I generally understand exactly what you're saying. Um, it, 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 it comes to a point of pointlessness, but then you have to ask yourself, why, why am I engaging in this? And then once you have that honest conversation with yourself about why you're doing it, then comes the hard part, yeah. taking that next step. And that's with a lot of different things. It's not just with arguments about right or wrong. A harder one is it's with relationships. Why am I in this relationship? Is it because I truly have a strong feeling for this person or is it because I'm lonely? That's a tough one. And a lot of people, I would think more people have that emotion than they're willing to admit. They don't want no, because who wants to say that? Because if you open your mouth and say that, well, now you've opened up a whole nother can of worms that you have to face. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that was a, that's a, that's the thing. You got to love something to hate it. Absolutely. And if you, mm-hmm. even if, even it's the love of the hatred of it, you got to love something on some level to fucking hate it. To truly, truly hate it. And so I you want to hear something interesting? So we think that the opposite of love is hate. Untrue. The opposite of love 
is ambivalence. Uh-huh. If if you really don't, if you really disdain something, you don't even think about it. To still have hate for something is to still have a level of emotion for it. And that level of emotion is still probably rooted in love. Because me personally, like, I'm not going to really throw out any examples like that. Like, if, if I don't, if, if I don't like it or have any interest in it, I don't want to mm-hmm. spend my time on it. Like, I yeah. just don't. I don't, I don't care. It, it, it's, it's not even a I don't care thing. It's a, oh yeah, whatever. You know, I'm going to go over here and listen to this, listen to this Nas album and read this book or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. and people will try to say, hey, what do you think about this? Such and such and such and such. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. I just don't. Like, don't try to snake me in because you you, you want a, you want an opinion for me, and your opinion. I mean, my opinion uh, is whatever opinion that I have is gonna either have you react positively or negatively, and I, I just I, I just don't want to be a part of that. I, I'd rather do my own thing. That's that. Right. right. Yeah. That's uh, you know, uh, that that's hard. That was hard for me to learn. What's I'm not that? gonna lie. Uh, that was um, I I could uh, I'm a big talker, mm-hmm. so I can do three thousand words easy on why I don't like somebody, you know, mm-hmm. and just and it would happen so fast. You would like you know, and that's and that's the thing with me is that I, I'm, I'm, I'm I talk too damn much. And that's been part of aging for me. You know, from time to time, I open my mouth. Like, you know, I called in today specifically to talk. So I'll do a little more talking than usual. But now on my day-to-day, dude, one, two words per person, if that. Really? Yeah. And it's just like I can't can't bring myself to engage people in conversation like I used to unless there's this purpose. It's a purpose-driven conversation. Like somebody, like... There has to be a real need for me to open my mouth before I open my mouth and give somebody my opinion about anything. And because, for one, there's so much consequence to everything you say now, whether you want to admit it or not. And no matter how irrelevant you may think that you are, just saying the wrong thing will make you extremely relevant to a lot of people. You will be fine, you know? And, you know, you will come from anonymity and suddenly be this monstrosity if you say or do the wrong thing, you know? Right. And that, that's not me encouraging people to be deceitful, to hide right th- things about them, you know. Not, but it was, what I'm saying is that, you know, that's me saying that right now for the first time, it really is, is that you got to watch your mouth when you put yeah. things online. Because it's not like yeah. being heard in a crowd. It's there forever. Right. You know, right. And it's funny that you say that. I remember, I don't know what I was watching, but they said something that stuck with me forever. He, the guy said that he lived in a house that did not nurture honesty. It punished it. And I never thought of things that way. And then you have to sit there and think about the environments that we that we hang out in or that we um, encounter, like what you were saying. You get shouted down now if you speak your truth. And so if you don't speak your truth, that means you're speaking a lie. And there's power in the tongue because it controls what goes on in the brain. So what does that do to you? 
if you can't voice your opinion and have, to, I believe it will cause resentment and discontent and it's going to come out in other ways. I've really been realizing that for me personally, I expel negative energy through physical activity. And as I got older, I stopped doing as many physical things. I went to drinking and chasing chicks and marijuana and all these different things and then wondered why my anxiety level was creeping up. And so while I was in Cabo, even though I haven't drunk or really eaten certain types of food, I decided to let loose. Well, I started to notice that my mood was starting to change. And so what I started to do with certain types of foods is I started to write down how I felt when I would eat them. And a couple of thoughts came to mind while I was doing that. One, we can all agree in this room that when somebody, we've heard the phrase of like cooking with love or food made with love in it, right? If that's the truth, well, then the opposite end of the spectrum has to be true as well. If food is made with love, you can feel, that means foods that are made with a negative intent, we should be able to feel as well. So I started writing down my emotions of the foods that I was eating. And I noticed that when I ate artificial sugars, I became moody and irritable. When I ate red meat, I became sluggish and tired. When I drank alcohol, in the moment I'd be brave, but later I would feel weakened and cowardly. And caffeine would make me anxious. So now I realize that I need to stick to foods that empower me and make me feel good. I've never eaten a piece of salmon and felt horrible after it. I've never eaten a strawberry and felt something. But I've eaten a candy bar and have literally been filled with regret. And I'm probably or eating a whole pint of ice cream and felt disgusted with myself. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person in here that's had that emotion. Why would you feel disgust? Why would you feel that level of self-contempt because you ate something? Think about that for a second. I have friends all over the entire spectrum of every kind of belief system there is. And mm -hmm. every friend I have will be positive on one thing and they'll mm -hmm. be negative on another. I would just not see coming. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just weird the things that people were really, 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 really animated about being against to the point of like becoming enraged at the subject matter coming up on accident. Well, That's it's funny that you, no, like, no, it's funny that you said that because I have a general contract over here working on my house and I'm just talking and I literally just bring up COVID and just say, you know, the numbers are getting bad. And this guy's like, yeah. it's fake. And, and just going on and on. I'm like, dude, I'm, I don't, I don't feel that strongly about it. The only yeah. thing that I know for sure is that people are dying. <laughs> I don't. No, yeah. I mean, like, I know that. And he's like, that's yeah. not true. I'm like, I work in healthcare. I'm telling you, people are dying. Like, but that was kind of what I was saying before about realizing, like, why am I arguing with this man? He has his opinion. He thinks it's fake. Right. I know it's, that's okay. If that's yeah. what you want to believe, Which man. I have, you have, people have phrases, right? That It's like, you know, those, um, those charts, there is a name for the chart. It's like a, it's, it's, it's a data chart where it's like, you're given an option, and then that goes off into two forks of, of motion. And then you arrive at the next option, and that takes you. And by the end of it, you have, like, uh, a, a path to a certain, you know, uh, 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 
I don't even know how to explain it. Uh, it it's you know, people they, people used to use it to organize their thoughts and come to conclusions. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, it's like we're at a point where like you know uh, people say one thing, and I know okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk about this subject anymore. We're going to talk mm -hmm. about like the color of their shirt or something. And we're just going right. to take it somewhere good so I can like, you know, just skate on and move on with my day. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that you got to do that with everybody, bro. And it's like people that I knew that I knew I've known for 20 years as being completely normal human being. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. human landline. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. it's just like, yeah. And I, and I don't want to. I don't think it's, I don't want to make nobody mad. You know what I mean? That's not my intention with my interactions with people. Right. I don't want to make nobody mad. So instead of I've, and that is something that I'm so good at making people mad, bro. That like mm -hmm. now it's my time to shine. Okay. I've been learning how to duck people's feelings all my motherfucking life. Okay. Right. So I'm out right. here like fucking Jesse Owens, just hopping over things. You know. I know exactly how I dodge people feelings, bro. Because I have had yeah. to do that. I, I've had to censor myself because I'm such an idiot. You know, mm -hmm. I am. I mean, and that's cool. You know, I'm aware. You know, I'm, I'm not a. You know what I'm saying? I know how to dial it down. You know, so there's some people that love it when I'm dialed up to eleven. You know, because when I've I'm never, dialed, I've never thought of you as an inflammatory person, though. Oh, dude, I'm. I'm. You. Oh. Man. I've never thought of you that way. Oh, I've never dude, seen you, you in know, that yeah, The thing is, is that I have such a, I'm, I'm such a bad mouth, dude. And like, like if I want to incinerate a human being with words, I'm like surgeons. <sighs> I just vomit on them like a monster. Right. I've, right. I've seen it. I've seen it, bro. Like, I've yeah, seen it really? And, and, and it's not like small things. And mm -hmm. I like to really get under people's skin. And I'm really good yeah. at it. And I don't want to be that way, but it's like the one, one of like five good things that I'm good at in this life, you know? So I, what do you do? You become a bartender, right? And you have, you know, a little quirky conversations, you know, maybe I might make a good stand-up comedian or something, you know, but it doesn't leave for, it's, that's not a great like thing, like to find out late in life about yourself. And like, you're like a coworker and you go places and you don't realize the little things you say in jest are fucking, you know, people are up in pitchforks about you because they think you're an asshole. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's why I've learned to watch my tongue more and more. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that is, that is the lesson going into the big four out for me is shut the fuck up. Don't give a shit. There is not one human being in God's green earth and this whole wide world or the big, big universe gives one flying rat's ass of what I have to say about anything. And that is the truth of life. I mean, people do care. People, people I mean, to an extent. Opinion. You know I mean, what? It, but it's contextual. I honestly, I honestly think that most people that get outraged by some of the shit that we say, that people say, uh, most of them really don't care anyway. They just yeah. want to make it look like they do care yeah. because they belong to a certain group of people or a certain hive. And a lot of it's just all about feeling like they, they belong somewhere. People, you know what I mean? Right. Well, who was it that would say people getting raged on behalf of other people now? It's just uh, like stand-up comedian. I forget who it was I was watching. Uh, and that's the other thing. I love stand-up comedy. This shit's so hard to watch now. Really? Why do you say that? Oh, man. Like, if the person isn't, like, like Dave Chappelle's newer stuff is funny to the degree that, like, because you know he doesn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he goes out there and he says what he says. You know what I mean? And the thing is, here's the truth. You know, 
his jokes worked for him, him alone. You know, mm-hmm. other jokes, comedians can't tell Dave Chappelle jokes, and it's fact. You know, mm-hmm. just can't do it. You know, now this guy and and uh, the what we know, like growing up in the in the you know in in, in the eighties and you know watching and indulging in Hollywood life and all that. You know, the things you read and then like the things they put out in the form of documentaries and like behind the scenes, like you know, novelizations and all the information that gets put out, whether it's true or not, they paint a certain picture of the way, you know, Hollywood worked in the 80s and, you know, in the 70s, and, you know, and uh, those were horrible circumstances that people had to work through, you know? Right. And uh, what's happened is that those things, the things that, you know, things work, the way things worked back then... Those things have actually, you know, started to die and go away. And now we see a lot of things are in their death throes. And as a result, uh, people don't realize how systemic some of that behavior is. And some industries have to collapse in order for there to be a real evolution, you know. And like the concept of the big movie uh, set. You know, like the old Metro Golden Weir set, there was just miles and miles of movie sets, you know, they produced and all that. And that's with the big movie house to produce everything. That kind of uh, model, I think we're going to see a dramatic change in like the way. I think it's pretty much already gone. I think that's pretty much gone. Yeah. People aren't even leaving. Well, the house Tyler Perry really. just put up a huge, in, a, in Georgia, Huge media center and it has private sound stages and crazy. It is the biggest in the world. I think it's gonna depend on the movie budget, but I think a lot of movies are going to scale down on that. You know that big box, unless unless if it's a movie like say uh, Suicide Squad. You know what I'm saying? And you know I I haven't seen that yet, unfortunately. But oh, dude, dude. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm the, I'm the guy that everyone like says like, dude, dude. And I'm like, oh man, okay, let me just hurry up and watch this. But <laughs> well, um, I can be honest yeah, with you. But, I mean, do you know the last uh-huh. movie that I probably watched in? Probably the last movie that I watched. Period is probably Avengers Endgame. That's the last. Which movie one? That I watched Endgame. I guess he said. He said Endgame. Wow. M game was the last movie you watched in theater? That's that yeah, no, 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 no. The last movie I watched. Period. Yeah, Jeez. that tracks. There's a lot of people, man. That's like like a lot of people have just stopped indulging in, I'm, you know, I'm unplugging. You don't have time. I'm unplugged. Yeah. Some people don't have time to sit down and like watch like <clears throat> at one point, you know, I had a group of buddies that we used to watch like like days worth of movies just to, you know, to, to shit to giggles from. We were idiots, you know. That that was just what we did. I want to do something like that now is just completely unimaginable. Like it's not still long enough to fucking do. Well, you know I, I think like, I've we started to realize that I'm a consummate learner. I learn and engage. And I realized I wasn't getting that from movies. I was actually living somebody else's life. Yeah. Kind of avoiding my own. Yeah. And so not shitting on anybody that wants to watch movies, but I just started to realize that about myself. And so I've kind of gotten away from sitting in front of the TV because effectively, if you really think about it, I think I brought this up before, if you were to remove the television set, you're staring at a wall for hours. Yeah. 
That's the thing. Like, if you take away your phone, you're staring at your palm for hours. They would probably label you as psychotic if you did such. Well, I'm going to tell you like this, though, bro. All right? What's up? The way things are going, okay, Mm -hmm. there is – that's it. Like, the – what we know as as media indulgent with uh, movie theaters and televisions and the idea of like analog television that comes in with rabbit ears and all that, every, every, any technology that existed before the '90s, dude, is completely off the map, dude. Completely gone. Right. Once our generation, like like us, we're oxygenarians and we're in our '80s. You know what I mean? There will be none. They would like to like. It, that's what I'm saying. You, you see where technology is going, dude. It's going to a point where, like, your people are able to communicate with people immediately right then and there, no matter where they are. You know? So it goes, point, my next point. it goes into my another point that I was going to talk about, and I'm glad you brought that up. And I was able to flesh this thought out a little bit more, and it's the possibility of time travel, right? And what time travel is. And what I've come to realize, my deduction is that we are all capable of time travel in a degree, right? And the degree to be able to time travel is you have a thought of something in the future that does not yet exist, and then you bring it into the present. Tony, were you able to hear me? Uh, No, I had some warble there, sorry. Sure, sure. So what I said was, what I theorize time travel is, is that if you're able to think of an idea that does not yet exist in the present, and then you bring it into the present, essentially is time travel. For example, the Wright brothers in an airplane. No one could conceptualize an airplane. They couldn't tell you what it was, didn't get it. They were able to yeah. pull, but, but, and it, airplanes existed in the future. They were able to pull something that wasn't present and bring it to the present. Just like when we were growing up, if somebody told you when we were playing uh, Oregon Trail that you would have a device thousands of times more powerful than what we were playing on, that you'd be able to transport, talk to people, shoot video, download tens of thousands of your favorite albums on it, we wouldn't have been able to conceptualize that. But somebody with well, that ability to time travel was. There, there was a book series when we were kids. It was called My Substitute Teacher Was an Alien. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. yeah. All right. If you think about it, the alien dude that was the alien had a little palm device that was basically a smartphone. I went back and mm-hmm. I read it. It basically was. It was capable of making masks and printing them out. And he could do whatever he wanted, bring up any information, take pictures, do videos, translate, everything we can do with a smartphone, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, a lot of people sleep. Like, they, it's, there's a big connection with, you know, what science fiction does and where, you know, what t- people who become scientists and engineers do in the future, you know? That's a lot, a lot of their, uh, I think, a lot of uh, uh, their ideas come from. So that's the question. Are they tapping into something... Are they so do because we can we can say that artists and creatives and scientists think on a different wavelength. Right. So then the question becomes, are these people tapping into something that's saying, hey, I need you to write this down. I need you to say or do this 
to spark the mind of somebody who can actually create it? Or are they tapping into that future and bring it to the present? There's really no way of knowing. Or is the is the book itself influencing the person to make that thing exist? Maybe, like, just say for the, the shits and giggles, that had that book or Star Trek or any of those things had never existed, a scientist may have never yeah. even thought to make such a device. Right. There's no way of knowing which influenced which. Hmm? That's true. But the thing is, uh, I feel like people, when they get like that, that news, whatever <laughs> it is, you know what I mean? Uh, I think there would be a lot more good ideas out there if there wasn't <laughs> such an inherent focus by society to distract You know what right. I mean? I think right. that a lot more people could have a lot more conductivity with that spark. Mm-hmm. It puts that kind right. of energy out there that you can you know, do and see and think. And, you know, it makes you curious, you know, and you would... Even more curious if, you, if it occurred to you that, that was a possibility. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. because they're too busy thinking about, you know, blibbity blip and, you know, the things they have to turn in on Thursday. And, you know, right. they better be some. Right. They do one wrong little thing. That's the well, end of their entire life. You got you to gotta think about this too. Um, why, how, why now in the present are we having such a hard time? tapping into that source right so they tell you all the time that when you want to talk to God you got to be relatively quiet you have to get in a quiet space when's the last time anybody in this room right now has sat down and done nothing and when I say nothing I mean absolutely nothing no phone no TV no books no radio, just sitting down, not before bed, but just sitting there even for 15 minutes and do nothing because your brain is just like anything else. It needs time to rest. And in all honesty, some of my, all these ideas that I tell you guys, I usually get them from my morning walks because I take my earphones out. I leave my phone at home and I just go. And then all of a sudden my brain has time to think. It has a chance to grasp at these internal answers because I know you guys are probably like me. My day is usually filled up with YouTube video after YouTube video after album, just a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I can't ever think and come to those. If they say the worst thing you could do is is look at your phone when you go to sleep and then do it when you wake up again. That's the worst thing you can do. Absolutely, because in a way, you're actually you're wor- you're worshiping your phone. Um, you're basically because if I were to say, if I were to tell you, say minus a phone, if I told you there's this thing that I look at before I go to sleep, and there's a, the same thing I look at it first thing in the morning, how odd would that be? If it was a picture of somebody, if it was a book, if every day for years on end, it was the very first thing I looked at and the very first thing I saw in the morning and the first thing at night, what would you think my connection with that thing is? You wouldn't think it's a healthy one. 
But you would have to be if it, if it wasn't keeping you alive and you were investing that kind of time in it, then mm-hmm. there would be an issue. No, you would say you would be like, "Hey, man, you would you would probably come to me as a friend and be like, like, could you imagine if it wasn't the phone, right? Could you imagine if I walked around every day with this thing, every place you saw me, Tony, I had this thing and I was staring at it every day, and every time we went on a road trip, I'd wake up and look at it." put a protective casing around it. You see what I'm saying? Like, not let anybody touch it. Don't let anybody touch No, you can't touch my thing. You would think I'm a madman. No, seriously. You would... No, I hear you, man. I hear you. Like, I'm laughing because I'm I'm picturing, like, my little brother. And he has, like, a set of books. Not to mention, you got a password on that thing with a... I got a password on that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. all Freaking my personal... face recognition and shit. Yeah, yeah. you see yeah. what I'm saying? I got password. Yeah. I have yeah. face recognition and a password on this thing. Nobody can get into this thing. And if you ask me why, yeah. it has all. Why do you want to know? Back away. You would start to wonder what's wrong with Donaldson. Why is he so enamored with this thing? We look at this thing before we brush our teeth. Literally, before we brush our teeth. Oh, that's true. And to to think that psychologically that has no effect is lunacy. That's, that's, it's, it's untrue. It has an effect. I can't sit here and tell you, I know which one. And, uh, and to aunt Kanjay, it's been a long time since I've done, I've had to train myself to do nothing like, and it's an active battle because your brain revolts. Like meditation is very difficult because your brain you know, once again, we're taught in Western society that if you're not doing something, you're doing nothing, and you're a failure if you're not doing something. So you need to be doing something right now, all the time, even if it's meaningless. Do something. Um, but yeah, th- so I've learned that, and I don't do it every time, so don't make anybody think that I'm holier than anybody. But what I've tried to learn to do is I have a morning routine and my morning routine consists of this. I keep my Apple watch next to my bed and I keep my phone in an adjacent room. And so the first thing I'll do is I'll put my watch on and do a five minute deep breathing just to uh, get my resting heart rate. Then I'll go and I'll do like coconut oil pulling because they say it's good. It actually works really well to um, what's the word? It has like an antibacterial effect. I swish it around for 10 minutes. I, then I'll wash my face and then I'll brush my teeth. And then I'll, maybe I'll go do some yoga or just some stretches. And then I'll go check my phone. And what I notice is that when I follow that order, and I don't do it every day, but I notice a difference, my days start out much smoother. I'm much more grounded and I feel ready to go. Now, if I reverse that order, this is what happens. I wake up. I immediately check my phone. I go to 20, 30 different websites. I might check Facebook. I'll listen to some YouTube videos, and then I'm late for work. I'll rush. I'll jump up, wash my face, brush my teeth, and then run out the door. And that literally happens every single time. I can eat. I think we can all say no matter what time you wake up, it is so easy to spend your out an hour, a straight hour on the phone doing nothing maybe even more than that hell oh no easy to get 
I used to get stuck on my computer before the invention of the smartphone. I'm talking, mm-hmm. say, 2011, 2010, around that time, right before smartphones became, you know, available available across available to everybody. And it's really weird mm-hmm. how it's just been about 10, 10 or so years ago to where we weren't using these things like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and... But no, now, isn't that isn't that crazy? And yeah. the thing is, is that we 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 got through life and our we we got through our day to day situations just fine ten years ago. Just just like, fine. fine, like without- no, no, bump, dude, bump ten years ago, billions, millions of years, people have been okay with nothing. Now you be yep. you could leave your house be an hour away and freak out when you figure out you don't have your phone because you think you're missing. Dude, when we grew up in the era where you just had to wait till you got to a payphone, and that was fine. You weren't missing shit. I ain't missing nothing. I miss... I can tell you, I can probably count. I can honestly count on both hands, maybe, maybe four hands, how many times the phone call I got was a true emergency. If I had to say the difference between emergency and um, difference between emergency and convenience, the number is probably one to a thousand. Literally. Very rarely, like, I can count, like, my baby's being born, which I was there. My dad was deceased. Maybe a job or something like that. But, like, anybody in this room, aunt, what's going on? Aunt, you're on. All right. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right, man. How are you? Hey, what's up, Tony? The other Tony. The other white meat. Yeah. <laughs> the other white meat, bro. What's going on, man? Two um, tones in the building. Two tones yeah. in the building. No, not, not two tones in the building. You're right. I, I'm glad that you called in because I really want to do a podcast with you and I want everybody to know I'll let him tell more about it, but he's been starting a fundraiser. I think that he's hit his five. Was it a five hundred dollar mark? Yes, that's correct. So he could start uh, buying a photo equipment or video equipment. If you want to tell us a little bit more about it, if you're comfortable, we're all ears, man. Yeah, 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 definitely, man. Um, so, like the way Donaldson said, my name's Tony. Um, I've been battling diabetes. Since I was in a man, twelve years old, so going on twenty five years, and um, I've had a lot of uh, you know trying times, especially recently. Um, recently, since December, I've actually gotten um, both of my legs amputated at the knee down, so I'm currently a bilateral amputee. Um, you know, of course, I've been going through physical therapy, treatment, stuff like that. And uh, as of Friday, yesterday, um, I've actually um, been fitted with two prosthetic legs, uh, which I will get the second delivered next Friday. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll be having both the prosthetic legs so I can learn how to walk again. Mm-hmm. Um, I did do a video and it is on Facebook um, if you're and on YouTube 
Mm-hmm. Um, on YouTube, I'm listed under the Bilateral Ninja. Huh, my shit. Um, I like that. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, and um, basically, I just started videos as of last week to kind of give my an insight to everyone who doesn't know uh, or may not be aware of how the life of an amputee is, uh, having to learn how to cope with it. Mm-hmm. Um, man, everything that I used to do, like walking, sitting, going to the restroom, going to the kitchen, taking a shower, getting in the car, all that has become upside down because I have to find new ways to adapt mm-hmm. and do that stuff. And um, at first it was trying. At first it was really hard uh, to wrap my head about around what I was going through and um, you know having the, the dark stuff and and thoughts and depression and stuff hit in sink into me to kind of give me that whole deal of um, like kicking myself of not taking care of myself a whole lot better through my youth uh, granted, I'm only 38 years old, so I'm not that old. But all these things have hit me now in my 30s into getting it. Hey, Tony, if you're still... Oh, you, oh Maya, you can always come back, man. Uh, Tony, you went out for a little bit second there. Hop back. What were you saying? You said you're only in your 30s. For some reason, Tony, I can't hear you. Um, Maya, hop on in if you'd like. Uh, NB Joshua, what's going on? Tony, I can't. I think you're talking still, but I can't. All right. Hey, bro. I can't I'm hear you. Cut loose. All right, man. Thank Wait, you, cut man. loose in a bad way or you? You leaving? We're uh, barbecuing. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, man. I'll talk to you later. Place, Thank bro. you so much. Oh, man. All right, take this care, is- Tony. Hey, talk. Hope to see you talk. soon. Hey, talk. Hey, bro, listen, listen, talk. We gotta talk music soon, okay? Oh, oh, man, you, 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 anytime, man. Just let me know. All right, let's, I'm let's doing do a thirty. I'm doing a thirty day on uh, Facebook though, so you're gonna have to hit me up on the messenger tip. That's a bit. Everybody's jumping on Facebook. I want, like you, you, there's a lot of people that are getting ready to take it to break break from. Yeah, good. I'm. Um. It's 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 those it's whatever thing like whenever I get tired of it I'm just gonna do what I gotta do you know what I'm saying yeah all right well now, take Tony. care man we'll talk soon Tony you still there man all right yeah okay, yeah I'm now. here man yeah. it's just, it's it you gotta remember it's my, it's my connection because of because of um being out in the sticks you know oh, so I don't yeah. I don't get the greatest the greatest signal out here um. But yeah, man, like, like I was saying, I, I'm just trying to give an insight to everyone with the videos that I'm making to mm-hmm. go ahead and give an insight of how an amputee um, or someone in my position has to deal and adapt to all these things mm-hmm. that were once normal, you know, everyday things, things that like yourself and anyone else. All right, yeah, it went out again. But it's all good, but... Yeah, man. Uh, anybody that's in the chat, for some reason, it won't let me reply back, but we are open if anybody would like to call in. Tony, I know your connection is going out, but you have such a powerful message, and that's why I wanted you to hop on. 
and get in here because that's not an easy thing, what you're battling. And I see the little green, so I know you're still talking. So I'll keep talking. If you hear me still talking, Tony, that means I can't hear you. The moment you can hop back in is the moment. So just keep talking until that connection gets better. And MB Joshua, we're all doing great, man. Uh, we humbly invite you into our forum. Um, what you're doing is powerful because you had to overcome not just the loss of your legs and autonomy, you had to fight a mental battle. And what I've come to realize is that mental battle, you're battling the devil, basically, because he's trying to let you feel that everything's lost, that there's no hope, that there's no way that you can push past your current circumstance. And that's, that's never true. Tony will drop the call, knick-knack, what's going on? Um, that's never true. So many of the battles that we have, Prophet Emma, encourage Udafe, how's it going? So many of the battles that we have are in the mind and so many of the thoughts that we have are untrue. The thoughts that we have of self and they're usually defeatist thoughts. I was talking to a young man, he sold me some vivid, I guess the security system and I was telling him about the book, As a Man Thinketh. And one of the exercises that's in the book that started me down this journey, one of the exercises was for one day, and I would challenge anybody in the room to try the same thing, is to spend one day thinking, of, not thinking, paying attention to all the negative thoughts that you have in your head and then actively trying to push them out. It sounds like a simple task, but I can assure you that it's not. Because once you start trying to do that, you'll notice two things. One, you have way more negative thoughts that spiral through your brain on any given day than you ever realize. And two, you have so many negative thoughts about yourself that you fail to realize. Hey, what's going on, man? Nothing much? It's, it's overwhelming. One of my neighbors just said a shout out to me. Um, it's overwhelming the amount of negative thoughts that we have about ourselves on any given day. And if you think about what is brainwashing, like when we think about brainwashing, we think of enemy soldiers grabbing you up, sticking you in a room and playing messages over and over until you come out and you're all like, yes, all hail Tagba or all hail Maya or all hail knickknack, you know, well, think about this. Could you imagine if there was a record that was playing in your ear 24-7 for 20 years, 30 years, telling you that you're worthless over and over and that you don't deserve to speak and that your feelings aren't valid? And this happens with that the reason that this uh, the server ignored you is because you're weak. The reason that you didn't get the promotion is because the boss hates you. If you sit there and have these thoughts over and over, you're going to make that that reality is going to come true. You're going to make it happen because you're going to start acting in such a fashion that makes those things true. And if you're somebody that's ever struggled with poor self-esteem or depression or any of those things, people try to tell you, like, just get over it. That's a hole that's really hard to get out of because it generally, it didn't start yesterday. It's so 
I know I keep jumping all over the place, but another thing that I've been trying to do is there's an app that I'm using. It's called Streaks. And the app is for habit building. Because if you think about it, everything that you do, literally everything that you do, positive or negative, is nothing but a habit. A habit that you formed over the years. As a baby, true, we have genetic predispositions to do certain things, but if you were in a household where healthy foods were given to you, will you get into the habit? Because it only takes 21 days to get a habit. Why do obese people generally come from obese families? You don't generally see skinny, 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 fat. It's usually fat, 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 fat. Uh, abuse victim, abuse victim, alcoholic, alcoholic, alcoholic. Because a generational curse is nothing more than a generational habit. But the, it's not all doom and gloom because the thing about habits is just as they can be made, you can make new ones as well. Excuse me. You Nothing has to stay the same. So for me, the habits that I've been trying to accomplish is to drink sea moss gel every day, read one page of the Bible daily, don't eat fake sweets, eat two cups of fruit, eat three cups of vegetables, and control my tongue to not talk about people and to say only uplifting things about them because what I started to realize, well, when I sit there and think negative things and say negative things, that first has to pass through my mind, through my mouth. So who is it affecting more? Especially when I'm talking about somebody that's not present it's affecting me more than it's affecting that person. So I'm trying to learn to stop, to have the only thoughts that reside in my brain, the only content that I consume are positive ones. So I've really stopped watching a lot of movies. I don't watch any movies. I don't watch any TV. I try to my best to stay off Facebook and social media because I want to control what comes into my brain. And I find on a day-to-day, my life is a lot better for it. I can honestly say that because people will come to me and they'll say, well, what do you think about such and such event? And I'll be like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And instantaneously, they'll give me their take on it. And I really don't care. I'm not interested. I'm not saying that I'm not interested in world events, but I am uninterested in how they're spun and given to us and because I think it makes you anxious to sit there and think about sinkholes and people getting blown up and all, all kinds of stuff. Not saying that those things aren't important, but just controlling what goes into your mind is such an like if you are like if you ever hung around somebody that's constantly negative and they always talk about negative things and, you know, you're trying to bring them up. After a while, that starts to bring you down. Just hearing them talk, simply listening to this person talk in their pessimistic fashion literally will drain energy out of your body. You will become more sluggish. What's that? They become a toxic person. Yeah, absolutely. They become they become a toxic person. But the opposite is true. How many times have we hung around somebody that's fucking a ball of energy? They're, they're, they're happy. They're always like, hey, man, don't worry. We'll get through this. You feel that shit. It comes through. 
and you will get like animated. You'll start getting pumped up and you start mm-hmm. to feel like, hey, man, I got a shot at this shit. Yeah, let's fucking do it. That's all a yeah. coach is. That's literally all a coach is. Or They're a cheerleader. That's it. And it'll get you pumped. That's How right. many times have you watched a motivational video and be like, I'm all in? So yeah. it, it has an action, not just on your mind, but on your body, like a real tangible one that you can see. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's my rant. That's it. You guys can hop on in. And, and, and that that feeling always starts, it always starts with your mind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like all those motivational words, thoughts, encouragement, you know, whether they're verbal or nonverbal, like it all hits you in your head and it makes you believe that you can do whatever it is, you know, whether it's uh, uh, catch that football, um, shoot that basketball, um, talk to that girl, Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now, yeah. if it's the reverse, if it's that hating ass dude that's like, oh man, you, 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 oh man, she's out of your league, or oh man, you ain't gonna make that, or oh man, you know, anything like that, it all starts in your head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's funny. It's funny. Did he drop my call? Okay, I'm still here. Let me text him and let him know. Um, no, you're you're absolutely right. It, it affects you in such a way that you can't even measure or quantify. And I lost my thought because he he called. Um, what was I gonna say? Man, I really can't remember. But oh, what I was thinking of was about passive aggressiveness, right? Because what I've, I've been, for the last couple of days, I keep writing all these passive-aggressive people. Um, passive-aggressive people with their passive-aggressive-ass words. And I don't deal well with it. And I generally want to fight fire with fire. I want to say something back or, um, you know, and fight back with them. But in reality, I learned that the real true answer is to walk away from them. And that takes a little piece of your ego to do, to not engage, to let them say whatever they're going to say, think whatever they're going to think, and simply walk away in the other direction. Yeah, but some people got got a bigger ego than that. Oh, I do. I want to fight it. But the thing about it is Mm -hmm. with passive-aggressive people, don't even waste your time. Because what they're feeding off of is your... What they're actually feeding off of is your attention. They want... That, that's the reason they're saying what they're saying. They're trying to shake you up. They're trying to gather a response from you. They can't thrive with your attention. Could you, you walked up to somebody, rant, raved, and went nuts, and they just looked at you and walked away and made you feel unimportant? That would hurt worse than them ranting and raving back at you and even saying mean uh-huh. or hurtful things. If, what's that? I tell people this all the time, all the time. I tell them this over and over again, and I, you know, you want to know, you want to know why I tell them this because me myself, I'm passive aggressive as hell, and I'm naturally passive aggressive. That's not a good hell. thing. It That's gets on people. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Trust me, it gets on people's nerves. It even gets on my nerves. You know what I mean? I try mm-hmm. to do something about it, but it's just a part of who I am. You know what I'm saying? And 
I tell people like whenever you get into some a little, you know, you get into a confrontation with someone that's like that, just walk away. Don't don't even waste your time. I, I've said that right. over and over again, and they don't listen to me. And then they come back and say, "Oh man, this that person really pissed me off." And I'm just like, "Okay, I, I try to tell you." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's and, and the thing you touched on about the ego. Um, I am a firm believer that the ego is the enemy that lies. It is lies within us. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Like. It's it'll get you in trouble. It'll get you hurt in some situations. It might even get you killed. You know what I'm saying? I hate to go that dark. No, no, it's it's gotten many. It's gotten many people killed. It's Mm perfect. It. it... Donnie. No, he's he's right. He's right. I think Donnie. I think he's having connection problems like the way that I was. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll just see. I'll just go ahead and exp- uh, continue on, on that. Like, sure, sure. Um, that's why every time I get into... And, 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 and the ego can be tricky at times, too. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. the, best, the, best, the, the, the best thing that you can do is just don't listen to your ego. Do the exact opposite of what it's trying to get you to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody that, you know, I, I'm not the greatest fighter out there, but I'm, I can throw, I can throw hands when I need to. You know what I'm saying? I'm in walk away mode now because I'm, you know, like, like, like the rest, like most of us. Hey, could you guys hear my yeah. conversation? Um, no, you, you, you went oh, out for a little bit. Okay, yeah, somebody just had to ask me an urgent medical question, so I had to take that. But I'm back. What were we talking about? That's fine. No, we were talking about the ego, and I was kind of sort of expounding on what I was saying, and you you hopped in for a little bit. Well, give it to me again. No, I was, you know, talking about how how your ego can get you in trouble. And um, my, you know, my solution to that is to do the exact opposite thing that your ego tells you to do. If they tell you to hit that person, just walk away. You know what I'm saying? Unless, mm-hmm. unless, unless if it gets to the point to where you have to defend yourself. If you have to defend yourself, by all means. You know what I'm saying? But more times than not, and I've been, you know, I've been in my fair share of fights in, in, in my life. More times than not, if you just walk away, and I know a lot of people around you are going to say, oh, man, he's a punk, or whatever the hell, but what am I going to get, even if I do beat the person's ass, dude, like, what am I going to get out of that? You know what you usually get from it? And I think we've all experienced this, embarrassment. You're embarrassed of your actions later. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times that I've done something and popped off and then in the moment, I feel like, yeah, I showed that my, you know, and then I look back and I think about all the people that were around me that were listening to me do that. And I'm embarrassed nine times out of 10 when literally, when literally if I had walked away and been the quote unquote bigger man, I actually would have been way more badass. Right. You just, you just made a spectacle of yourself. You just made yourself look like, you know, you're, you're like, like you're just dumb, you know. Well, like, like you just dumbfound yourself. 
like the example that I was using earlier, like, could you imagine if I got into an argument with Jay-Z on how to make a hit record? Right? I'm like, Jay-Z, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I know how to make a hit record. Now, who would look more ridiculous? Him for arguing, me for arguing with him or him for arguing with me? Could you imagine if he got all up in his arms and was like, fuck you, Dawson, you don't know what you're talking about? It would make him look ridiculous. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. When in reality, who would look more ridiculous if he just hung up the phone on me? And went right on back to his life. And I was like, yeah, I showed him. Everybody would be laughing at me like, yeah. Yep. You didn't yeah, show Yeah, like, yeah, shit. right. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, right. Who do you think you are? Exactly. That's, yeah. what makes, that's what makes 50 Cent look like such a small person. He thinks striking back at everybody in the way that he does makes him, like, this ongoing thing that he still has with Ja Rule, it actually brings him down a lot. It makes him look like somebody that you really wouldn't want to be around. And 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 Ja Rule wants to move on, kind of. I can tell from well, what he's saying. Well, come on. It's almost 20-plus years, man, over nothing, over a misunderstanding. I mean, even, even Cheesy and um, Gucci Mane, like, I know they're not, not going to sit here and act as if they're friends, but if they were in the same room, you're not going to – They're not going to get all – no, I mean they're. I mean you got to understand, like both of them, like everyone that we're talking. I know, I know, Fifty Cent. It doesn't. Have, I think that might be one of the main reasons why he hasn't gone that far. Because everyone that we talked about, they're in a, they're they're married or have a significant other, and they're mm-hmm. trying to start a family. Fifty Cent ain't like he he resents his own seat. Yeah. So well, think about how are this. you? How do you? How do you think? But, but think about this. Who has Jay Z that you can think of ever had the problem with the longest that he keeps bringing up? Name a person. He moves on. He moves oh, on yeah, from any beat. He moved. On. I mean, like literally, I can't name a single person that Jay Z had beef with that he couldn't move on from, whether it be Nas. Whether it be Jazzo, anybody, he moves on because the thing about it is, that's well, you know what, you're hit. right. He did move on from Dame. Absolutely, he did. Move and the, on from and, Dame. and the and, and, the, and that's moving the thing. on, the moving on is for you. Da- and yep. here's the funny part: Dame couldn't move on. Dame still talks about it. Nope. <clears throat> and, and and here's a, and here's and, the thing: and, guess what and his, and his life reflects that. And his life reflects the fact Dame keeps doing worse and worse, not only in financial, but physical health. Because when you hold on to anger and resentment, how many times have you met somebody who's still angry or resentful to somebody else? The first time that they tell the story, you feel bad for them. But then Mm -hmm. the 20th time when they talk about their ex-husband or ex-spouse and they're still bitter and angry, that emotion that you have for them starts to change. It starts changing from one of like, oh, I feel so bad for you to I want to get away from you. I want to get away from you because that negative and ugly energy transfers and it goes out. But the true power is they got to let it go. And I know it's a hard thing. And I think Maya, we were talking about it before. When you have that in you where you're resentful and angry to somebody else, 
you need to get to the root of it. And the root of it a lot of times is you're hurt. You're hurt that this person rejected you and you gave them everything. But it's hard to say that. It's easier to say, oh, this person's a piece of S. They're nothing. They're worthless and blah, blah, blah. But everybody that's anybody can clearly look at you and tell that you still care about this person. Well, definitely. That's definitely definitely true. Um, I give myself an example of when I split with my ex, I mean, I was the same way. I didn't have any resentment about our relationship. I didn't have any resentment about the fact of uh, us splitting up. But though there were things that I would still talk about her and talk about my significant other and stuff, you know, there was a lot of times where I felt resentment. I Mm -hmm. felt, you know, felt that. And yeah, I think there's other people that, you know, a lot of people that, that feel that way after their relationship of, of that matter, whether being personal. Hell, you can even get it out of personal relationships. Absolutely. With a co-worker Absolutely. and stuff like that. You know, in any kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hannah... So Hannah they, we, we, no, I'm listening. Go ahead. Hannah was just asking no, was no, this topic did. about toxic relationships, and we're just talking about everything, Hannah. Um, nothing in particular, just kind of Mm-hmm. Just kind of going, but what were you saying, Tony? No, I was just saying, you know, the, that resentment is something that's hard for uh, a person to mm-hmm. deal with. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that. Well, what I find what makes that resentment, and this is me personally, I find what makes that resentment so hard to deal with is because you're dealing with an emotion that you're that you generally have never dealt with before. So you're dealing with somebody that you perceived has wronged you. And the difficult part is admitting to, you know what? I'll bring it back. I was watching a video and it helped me move past some stuff. I was watching a video on Mike Tyson's Hot Box podcast with him and Ken Shamrock. And then they were talking about when they were at the top, how they had all these friends. And when they hit the low, people backstub them, backstab them. Um, you know, do kinds of honorary things to them. And they said that the most hurtful thing about the whole thing is that they still love these people. Because even though they were being deceived, their feelings were true and organic. That's one of the most difficult and most, that's one of the most difficult emotions to have. When somebody, when somebody deceives you and wrongs you and they clearly don't wish the best for you but your emotions your true emotions for them haven't changed it's so difficult to deal with that because you don't know how to process it you want to tell yourself fuck them i hate them excuse my language and you want to jump right to that part of the process but you're you're being untrue to yourself and yourself knows it yeah, and, and you and you can't. You're you're like you said. Yourself does not recognize that because you are. If you do feel strongly for somebody, I mean, for say you want to say you. I'll, again, I'll throw myself as an example. Mm-hmm. My ex, I loved her with all of my heart and soul. Mm-hmm. I loved her and her daughter, mm-hmm. and the fact of when we split, of what she told me was the reason why we split. It hurt. Yeah. It hurt more. Than when she cheated on me when we first got together, it hurt. 
Tony, you still there? Yeah, but can how can you ever believe them again? How can you, you ever? Can, you can't. You can't. And that's one of the most difficult. They're ha- they're, they're, yeah, something just, you know, like, even if you give them another chance, it's just going to be a matter of time. Mm-hmm. And either they're going to do it again or you'll be just paranoid yep. all the time. They might Absolutely. do it again. Yeah. Which is absolutely, it's just, this is not our life. I think no, it's, really a, it's a horrible way to live. And that's the thing, you know, I've had to come to this conclusion, and it took me a long time to get here, that every time that I've ever been deceived in my entire life, Hannah, how's it going? Every time that I've ever been deceived, it's going pretty good. Hello, Maya, everybody. I'm sorry for interrupting you guys. No, no, it's okay. okay. Hi. Welcome, Hannah. How are you doing? Doing great. What about you guys? Doing good. We're having just a really good conversation. Really? Yeah, it's a really interesting topic, by the way. Okay, I'm, I'm all ears listening to you. I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I'm gonna give my opinion on the. Okay. okay. What Carry all on, I was guys. gonna, yeah. What I was gonna say is that every time that I've ever been deceived or lied to, looking back in my 38 something years of life, if I was being honest with myself, I knew it. I knew this person wasn't being truthful with me. I knew they were deceiving me, but the source of where it was coming from made it so hard for me to wrap my mind around it. This person is telling me that they care for me, that they're my friend, that they're my girlfriend, that they're my best friend, but all of their actions show me otherwise. So I didn't want to believe the deceit. I've never been completely blindsided by people's deceitful actions. There's always been seeds of it that show up mm-hmm. in both mm-hmm. their actions and even some of their words. Hannah? Um, I just was, I wanted to say something, guys. It, uh, yeah. We really need to have to avoid, uh, to have high expectation, of, I mean, for, for the people that we're dealing with. If you mm-hmm. really need to, to have a healthy relationship, so you have to mm-hmm. count on yourself, don't have to ha- have this high expectation. I mean, whenever you have this high expectation, you will, I mean, find yourself facing a lot of problems with your partner. So, um, I don't know. You just have to put them on their, I mean, the appropriate place. I mean, um, count on yourself. Don't mm-hmm. count on them. Right. And you have to, I mean, yeah. if, if you want to really to judge the person that you're dealing with, you have to, uh, to get through a lot of uh, situations and experiences that, before you judge mm-hmm. him or just decide is he's the right guy or not, or right girl or right. not. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. you already have to get through a lot of things first before you decide. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing about that, Hannah, I had a thought that I was writing down, and it was called what you can get. And the thought is you can only get from people what they have to offer you, regardless of their, your relationship with that person, whether it be your mom, dad, sister, anybody. Because just because somebody's your family member, it doesn't mean that they can give you what you think a person in that position should be able to give you. That's something that you're projecting onto that person. If you have a husband or a wife, you think, oh, a husband or a wife should should be able to give me this, this, or this, or this. Well, if that person doesn't have it to give, you're going to frustrate both of you guys. So you have to be accepting of people who they are in their current state 
and triage them accordingly. And it will make your life better and their life better. And the analogy that I generally use is, could you imagine if you went to somebody morbidly obese, 900 pounds, and decided you were going to turn them into a fitness model, and that's not something they were ready for. And you just walked in the door and said, okay, today's the day we're going to change your life. And even though it might be the best for them, if they're not mentally ready to do that or have even agreed to do that, all you're going to do is piss them off and you're going to anger yourself in the process. That's literally all that's going to happen. There will be no success. Mm -hmm. What were you saying, Tony? I agree. And that's just something that I've had to learn. Go ahead. No, I'm disagreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. That's that's correct. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to go ahead and and find somebody or, you know, people, again, family members or anybody, even a complete stranger could have something to offer you mm-hmm. um, because they want to give it. Right. And if they and if and if and if you're with somebody or you're associating with somebody who doesn't want to give you something that will benefit you, because don't get me wrong, they can also give you negative. Absolutely. But if it's not something that they that you want to get. But um, mm-hmm. if you're trying to get positive stuff from somebody, it can be anybody. And if they don't want to give it, then they're they're no good in your life. They're no good for you. You just well, like earlier we we're saying, just just walk away. Here's the thing. There's a, there a quote. Hold on, hold on for one second. Mm-hmm. Not even just that. Right. They may not want to give it, but they may not have it to give. I think Maya Angelou said, you know, beware the man with no shirt who offers you his. When people have something, they generally protect themselves first. So if somebody doesn't love themselves, how is it indeed possible for them to give you love? And so we meet so many damaged or broken people and we decide that they're going to love us or we're going to love them. They can't give you something that they don't understand. It's not possible because if you had armor to protect yourself... You protect yourself first and then everybody else. Tagbo, what were you going to say? I was going to say on a semi-related note that um, there's a quote that I hold hold near and dear to my heart, and it's, um, don't expect yourself out of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And is this, also, this, this also ties in with what they have to offer. You know what I mean? Like as far as giving and um, you being able to take from them. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody is going to have. I mean, we, we, we pretty much uh, touched on this. I'm just kind of sort of reinforcing the general gist of this conversation. Um, now, everyone's not going to have something to offer you. You know what I mean? Um, we, I mean, yeah. You and I, Donald, we, we pretty much had this discussion the other day. Um, everyone doesn't have something for you. Everyone's not going to like you. And yeah. you're not going to like everybody. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, of course, of course, you're going to have to do your due diligence, five checks or whatever you need. to. I mean, sometimes it's going to be very easy for you to recognize whether or not that person's for you. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be tough, you know, because people are sneaky. But mm-hmm. it's really not that difficult once you spend, say, two or three, maybe as many as five, uh, five, uh, five periods of time 
with that person because after the after that amount of time, you kind of sort of get what they're about. And you know what? I, I'll I'll have to real, disagree with you a little bit. I'll disagree with you just a okay. little bit. I think you can feel them out in almost five to ten minutes. You can feel that when somebody's trying to, especially the older you get, because it's pattern recognition. It's really easy to see uh, you know the older that's you true. get. The older that I get, the moment somebody starts trying to sell me something, the faster they talk, the slower I listen, the more perfect they appear, the more flawed I know they are. It, 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 they, people can't lie as well as they think. It screams often when somebody's being deceitful because your gut instinct is designed to pick up on incongruencies. When things, when you see red, red, mm-hmm. red, yellow, like uh, they, there's a, a thing called micro expressions. And, and this is something that I thought was in my mind, but it's true. Have you ever told a friend some bad news? And for a split second, like, a, like so fast that you can't register it, you see a smile across their face or they might even laugh. And you're like, why are you laughing? I just told you I lost my job. Or why are you laughing? Or why did you smile? Or when you mm-hmm. tell them some good news and they grimace for like, a, yep. like mm-hmm. it's so fast. Yep. It's so fast that you don't know if what you saw is what you saw. And even as I'm talking, everybody in here is reflecting on a moment where that happened. And you're like, nah, this is my buddy. I know this guy. There's no, you know, what you saw was correct. What you saw is the truth. It's the admitting you know, it to yourself part that's hard. Thanks. Trust you know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, the, the homeboy that I was talking to you about the other day, mm-hmm. like he used to do that shit all the time to me. You know what I'm saying? And once again, you're right, because if you look at somebody as a friend, your ace, your homie or whatever, you're going to do everything that you can to fight. Hell, I, I'm, I'm still fighting it to this day, bro, because once you get to a certain level, once you have someone in that friend category in your mind, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to move them out of that because especially it's also dependent on how long you hang out with them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, in Mm -hmm. the back of your mind, it's like, oh man, I've known this person for uh, 10, 10 years, for example, you know what I'm saying? And as soon as, as soon as you get it, you're like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He wasn't. He wasn't really. You know. He wasn't really down for a move like that. You, you know what I'm saying. He was just around because um, I have something to offer. You know what I'm saying. And of course, you're gonna fight that, but eventually you realize that that person wasn't supposed to be there ever. You know what I'm saying. And so I got. I got bad. I got. Hold on. I got bad news, everybody. The live stream is going to end in the next two minutes. Apparently, I've hit my capacity. Oh. So, I know. Unfortunately. I've, been, I've been having yeah, a good time with yeah. you guys. I've really been having a good time tonight. Uh, Maya, Hannah, it was lovely to meet you guys. Thanks, Donnie. Harlem, Thank you so much. Um, oh, I'll be back. I don't know when I'll be back. I hop on and hop off intermittently. Um, Harlem, yeah, you missed you. out. It was a Take good one. Take your time. Oh, Yeah. I have to just let these thoughts build up before. I've tried doing it on a scheduled basis, and it never works. Uh, Togba, uh-huh. thanks for always calling in. Tony, I'll see you guys next time. And bless yeah. you guys. Yeah. Have a good one. Enjoy your All meal. Right. <laughs> yeah. You can hear that. Yeah, right. All right, guys. It was nice to meet you guys. Okay. Y'all take care. Yeah, same here. Same here. All right. Sure. Bye.